You're the Keisha, you're the type of person who thinks that Victor Frankenstein isn't the villain of Frankenstein. That is absolutely not true. I'm just oh, saying. Oh, but Carrie's the villain of Carrie. Uh-huh. No, I I'm not saying Carrie's the villain of Carrie. I'm just saying that you can't justify murdering people just because they bullied you. That's all uh, I'm saying. I'm saying uh, if you have psychic powers, I think you can Carrie. do whatever you want. That's true, Keisha. Have you considered who's going to stop me? Yeah. Um, it's Carrie's mom. <laughs> Actually, Carrie stops herself. That's true. She's she yeah, she stops herself. Maybe the second song in our Carrie uh cover band should be Don't mm-hmm. Stop Me Now. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Killing killing my, mom. my schoolmates. <laughs> Tonight I'm gonna have myself a real bad prom. <laughs> Oh my God. Gonna ruin prom for everyone tonight. And the school is set a place tonight. Yeah, yeah. Five hundred degrees. Call <laughs> me Mr. Fahrenheit. I'm gonna step. I think it's pretty good. <sighs> Anyways, spoilers for Carrie, I guess. Spoilers for Carrie. <laughs> How do you think Freddie Mercury would have reacted if you dumped pig's blood on him? Like, I think he'd take it pretty well. I think he would I just, like, go with it. it. Yeah, I was going to yeah. say, I think he would have thought it was like fun. I kill a girl out of you. <laughs> <What's> yeah! <that? laughs> Can't stop me. Can't stop me. <laughs> <laughs> Can't stop me. <laughs> we should stop this bit, though, eventually. <laughs> yeah, we should stop. I don't know, it's going really well. So. <laughs> Adeline, you see the stream on YouTube now, yes? Yeah, we're good. Okay, okay, okay. We're good, we're good, we're good. What's up, Dylan and Ian? Nice to see you. Dylan. Hello. I have to say Dylan like that every single time. It's in my contract. <laughs> um, it's not even how he says it in the movie, but that's just how right, I say yeah, it. Yeah, that's one of those things. Because we looked it up and he's just kind of like, Dylan. You're like, it's because Predator is one of the rare movies where Arnold Schwarzenegger is kind of trying to have an American accent. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so it's not like a full-blooded Dylan. It's more like <laughs> Dylan. It's more like Dylan. Dylan. Somehow I had never like Arnold Schwarzenegger is just Arnold Schwarzenegger in my head. And I just had never considered that. It's an accent that he's speaking with. I, he just has a, Schwar- a Schwarzenegger accent. Yeah, that's just what he talks like. Right. Yeah. Oh my god. Okay, I hate to bring up the big scaly boy versus Kong again, right. but uh-huh, uh-huh, I'm really uh-huh. upset because the poll that we did last week came out the same percentages for Kong and Big Scaly Boy. Yes, it did. Yes, oh, it are did. you serious? So, <laughs> yeah, 100%. It's tied. I just gotta wow. say, I was not expecting. I thought, like, this is not just about that poll, this is just about life in general. As <laughs> as Scaly Boy versus Kong has swept the nation. Has, like, actually genuinely swept the nation in a way I was not expecting. But, yeah. like, I know. People are more into Godzilla than I ever thought that they would be. I thought kind Kong of boring. would He's be. He's just a big lizard. I thought Kong would be the people's champion 100%. But apparently, <laughs> yeah. it's a pretty close race. It's Love propaganda. Kong, Kong is like the underdog, and everybody loves an underdog. And Godzilla has no personality. He's just a big lizard. <laughs> 
That's a I personality. You can't even speak American Sign Language. Yeah, can't yeah, you speak uh-huh. American Sign Language? What can you do, idiot? Exactly. Average. Fucking breathe oh, lightning. I can't hit anybody with it. I step on people, and then people think I'm cool. I can breathe a whole tunnel into the center of the earth. I a bunch of babies, and then people think that I'm their friend. That's how I make friends. That's how I make friends, too. Never works. I devastate Las Vegas, and then I leave. And then everybody thinks I'm really cool afterwards. Yeah, I just don't get it. I don't get it. It is propaganda, because... Godzilla doesn't do anything for anybody. He literally he kills people. He's just beating monsters because that's what he wants to do. Yeah. And King Kong protects people. He's helping. King Kong cares about children. King Kong can make sticks out of trees. King Kong fought a big octopus and then ate it in a puddle. That, <laughs> how do you not choose Kong? I don't understand. He has. A, he's a he woke can- king and we have no choice but to stand. I just yeah. If you don't, I, Ian. If you like, you could get out of here. I get out of the chat. I, didn't mean I don't to want blow you my here. Fuse, Your team, Godzilla, get out of here. <laughs> get out of here. God. Only team Kongs. My God, I'm gonna have to leave. But this has been nice, everyone. <gasps> oh no! <laughs> it's always Alienated someone on the inside. Your guest already. Yeah. <laughs> what? What? Vi, debate me. Debate me right now. What? What does? What does Godzilla have to offer? How can you not like big lizard? Okay, anti-military, anti like pro-environment. He's got a good message. I don't know how you think that's no personality, y'all. He's in what way is Kong military. not? In what way is Kong not pro-environment? <laughs> he lives in the environment way more he than Godzilla does. Also, he's pro nuclear explosions because they make yeah, him stronger. They give him so, energy. That's not pro-environment. I don't know. He's me? not like he's not like he, in the corner of the ring, like being like, "Okay, okay, manager, hit me with that nuke real quick. Give me that. Give me that pump I need." It's like we try to bomb him, and like that is just makes things worse. I don't think he's asking for nukes. That's the. I, think it's I just mean, a look, side intentionally solve climate change either. That just kind of <laughs> happens, and we all right? kind of move on. I here's my argument is going to be based around the 2013 uh, legendary mm-hmm. pictures movie. I don't know mm. much more about. Outside of those movies, but okay, Godzilla's roaming the planet looking for nukes to eat in that movie. <laughs> That's his whole deal. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. You, are you? I want disposal of nuclear weapons. I guess <laughs> it's could be it, okay, but it's only good for Godzilla. Everything else around him is going to have to deal with that radiation. It's not like he eats up all the radiation. That's not how that works. Oh. He doesn't gobble it all up. Godzilla's like... Oh, that's what happened. He's like fucking no. the little tramp. He's like Charlie Chaplin just like stumbling backwards into good things on accident. <laughs> Whereas Kong is 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 a humanitarian. I mean, I'll say He's it. He's intentionally sure. trying to help people. Yes. Yeah, Kong, or not Kong, Godzilla has been handed everything on a silver tray <laughs> exactly. and just expects people to like him, and they do. They do for no worst. reason. Yeah, and I do. Every Godzilla movie ends with yeah, them just being like, you me. know who's not so bad? Is that guy, and they all clap that for him when he goes back into the ocean. That guy that just killed my husband? Pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> could be worse, could be worse. And Mothra, only 26% of the vote. 
just <laughs> terrible. It's a shame. It's a shame. a shame. I'm, I'm the angriest I've ever been. <laughs> she deserved better. She deserved more than death. Question mark. Mother's a true She's dead. No, I went back and watched as she died because that's oh, how RB. God got part of his big power up. Oh no, she got fridged. Watanabe. Mothra got fridged. did get fridged. Yeah. Oh god, come on. Mothra got fridged. What podcast was it when we did the math and figured out how many moths Mothra weighs? I think I think it was the podcast where we did the movie. No, because Keisha was there. We've done that in real life too, though. Yeah, was that on a podcast? Was that just? I don't know. Yeah, it might have just been real life. <laughs> Maybe it was. We definitely like at one point whipped just... out a calculator and Googled how much does a moth weigh. How much does no, a Jackson, moth it's weigh? We went, to that, we went to that kaiju, I almost said flavored, that kaiju themed sushi restaurant. And I think we just right. started wondering how many moths would it take to make Mothra. I think we just Mothra. immediately started fighting each other because we have no other option when it comes to yeah, no. kaiju themed restaurants. And I just remember they I had a big painting of Gamera on the wall. And I was like, why Gamera? Like, out of all the guys you could have picked, what's so cool about Gamera? He's like a turtle or something? Yeah. Whatever. Yeah, Fuck that's off, cool. No. <laughs> this is the same conversation we had. Gamera we were can, like, yeah, it's cool. <laughs> Gamera can eat my ass. Give me Gittera. This happened Gamera. like two years ago and we're still fighting about <laughs> this care. restaurant. <laughs> That's the, that's my the official statement. Gamera, Gamera can suck cool. my dick. I don't care about Gamera at all. <laughs> I think, well, then you're in the minority. That's your <laughs> kaiju minority. Adeline's in the kaiju. Pe- Peach is in the kaiju minority. I'm in the majority always because I'm always right. Because <laughs> that's how things work. When you're in the majority, yeah. you're right. End of story. <laughs> End of, yeah. <laughs> Anyway, about the movie we watched yeah. this week. So, hey, what's up? <laughs> Welcome to No Nerds Allowed. It's a podcast about movies, for the most part. Uh, and my name is Jackson McMurray. Miss Adeline McMurray. And I started the riot. <gasps> no, Adeline. My <gasps> name is Keisha Rhodes, and all cops are bad. I said it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she said it. <laughs> And I'm Vi Huntsman. I'm the guest for this episode. Yay. Yay. Oh, wait. Yay. Wait, wait, wait. Yay, I'm, I'm Without Permission YouTube channel where I went to space two weeks ago. Not really, though. Hold on. I need to get my phone. Oh, I'm so glad you got back in time. Guys, entertain oh, the crowd for a second. I'll be right back. I have to get my phone because it has important notes on it. See- See, here's the thing, Keisha, you ruined my bit because you were supposed to say, no, I started the riot, and then it would be like... Oh, uh, yeah. I be like, oh, well, I was supposed to read all 4,000 names of the people who had died in Vietnam, so... Yeah, you're right. We were, we all really dropped the ball. Can the real leader of the riot please stand up? <laughs> also, but then, here's but what then I only have one of us stands up, and it's like, Uh-oh. oh, how dare you stand up? Spoilers oh, for spoilers. Chicago 7. Spoil for history spoilers. Mm-hmm. History spoilers. And that's all. But, I okay, at this point, have you guys, how many of the Best Picture nominees have you seen? Because I want to watch all of them, but I, I'm slogging. 
I'm I've slogging seen, through them. I've seen all of them except for Minari and the father. The father. The father. I know, I really need to see uh, Minari. Father. The thing is, is that those are the only two that you absolutely have to spend $20 on as of right now. I feel yeah. like those are not must watches. You can <laughs> you can skip those two and, and, and what did you really lose? Save that $40. Uh, but I, so here's one of the things I wanted to do on this podcast. Because we're talking Tell about uh, the Oscars, end of year stuff. I see so many people say, oh, I didn't even watch any of the movies this year. What's up with that? Who even cares this year? To which I say, here's what I'm going to do. I, between that series of videos I did and the fact that there was just a pandemic, I watched 104 movies from the year 2020. Um, and I just, I just want to give out my top 10 or 20, just like put this out in the world to all the people who are saying, I didn't even watch any, what movies were there even. So I can say, hey, there were these movies that were good. Curious George. Curious George, Go West, Go Wild, number one. Go Ape. <laughs> number two, Sound of Metal. <laughs> um, no, okay, Sound of Metal on Amazon Prime, Tenet, best movie in the world. Uh, yeah, 40-year-old version on Netflix, not Virgin, Virgin, which is a bad title for a movie, but a very good movie. Um, Nomadland uh, on Hulu, Small Axe, all five of those movies are great. It's an anthology series by Steve McQueen on Amazon Prime, all great. Palm Springs on Hulu, Defy Bloods on Netflix, Mank on Netflix, One Night in Miami on Amazon Prime, a much better movie than I was expecting it to be going in. Soul on Disney Plus, Trial of the Chicago 7. Oh, I wonder what I think about that one. Uh, hey! Wolf Walkers on Apple TV. I'm thinking of ending things on yeah. Netflix. Bad Education on HBO. Hugh Jackman rules in that movie. Kajillionaire's not on anything, but that's on DVD now, and that's a good-ass movie also. On the Rocks on Apple TV Plus. Rashida Jones, Bill Murray is her dad. Good stuff. Uh, Get Duked on Amazon Prime. It's a Scottish movie about teens. Personal history of David Dave, Dave, David Copperfield. <laughs> That's just on DVD too. King of Staten Island. Pete Davidson. Pretty good. That's on DVD. The Invisible Man. First Cow. Onward. Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. An American Pickle. Bad Hair. Uncle Frank. Borat 2. His House. Bad Boys for Life. These are just a few of this good movies on from the year 2020 that was i don't know that was like i got to 30 those are my top 30 movies of 2020 all very okay, good you gotta come up with you gotta come up with a name for that because you can't no one's no one's gonna say like ah oh, this this movie was in the top 30 recommended movies by jackson on the no notes Lab podcast episode where they talk about the trial <laughs> okay. of chicago seven well you gotta here's come up the thing a catchy name of gotta be brandable yeah. what if well, what I want to do is next year before we do Sound of Metal, I want to have watched Minari and The Father and make a like my own nominations, my own Academy Awards. Um, mm -hmm. So maybe I'll just save it for that. Maybe I'll save the branding for that next week. That's a tease oh, for next okay. week, maybe. Good, good. The, see, I can't, I can't come up with a good awards show name out of my name because, like, the McMurray -y doesn't work. The Jackies hate that. Don't like that oh, at all. No. Um, Welcome like, to Mick Jackson's. What can I put on your plate? <laughs> what like what what are what are my awards called? I mean, 
it, it would just be the McMurrays, right? That's what about the, the Mickey's? The Mickey's. Oh, I like the Mickey's actually. Mm. The double M's. The the M and M's. The M and M's. Oh my god! <laughs> there it is. Except, <laughs> not I don't, there's not two M's in my name. I guess Mick Murray. I don't know. Yeah, there yeah, are two yeah. M's in your name. Okay, yes. fine. All right. So next week, get ready for the M and M E nominations. <laughs> um. <laughs> That is a wonderful word. That's a that's great because it's Eminem nominations. That right. is awesome. Like because it's <laughs> that's like a the, very fun to it's say. Like the Emmys also. Okay. Uh, do we want uh, to talk about the film in the title and thumbnail of the stream today? Would we like to? Yeah. Which one? <laughs> the trial um, of the Chicago Seven. <laughs> Let's do it. Or Let's it, talk about it. Or is it eight? <gasps> or there are there eight? Really? It's not. It's not. Spoiler alert. Well, no, there are eight of them. It is, but it should. There be. are eight of them, but he's not part of the Chicago Seven. That's the whole thing. Yeah, that's the whole thing. Yeah. it was it's, well, uh, it's part of the thing. It's part of the thing, but. He's Let's not part of the Chicago Seven. Eight. So, Trial of Chicago Seven. I'm gonna look up the Oscar nominations right now. One moment. We already did that. We already did that whole thing. No, I just I want to say what this movie was nominated for specifically. Oh, gotcha. Mm. Da, da, da. I was about to say that was like 20 minutes last <laughs> video. We can't do that again. Uh, and by video, I mean podcast. 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 It's easier than video. Okay, so this movie was nominated for Best Picture, Best Supporting Actor for Sasha Baron Cohen, Best Original Screenplay, Best Cinematography, Best Original Song for that song in the credits, and Best Editing. Um, I would. I think it deserves to win Best Editing. That montage at the beginning is amazing. Right. I think. I don't know. I have a complicated relationship with, like, sort of the direction and the cinematography and the editing of this movie. Maybe, I mean, this is just, it's a very specific phenomenon. Because Aaron Sorkin is, like, one of my favorite screenwriters. Um, mm-hmm. And, like, it's obvious, it's, it's a very, he's, I think Sorkin is very hit or miss when it comes to television writing. But I think his motion picture screenwriting credits are kind of impeccable. I think that, like, Steve Jobs is a movie that I have watched, like, easily, like, a dozen times in the last year. Like, I have put on that movie so many times, it's, like, a genuine problem. I love that Steve Jobs movie so much. And The Social Network, obviously, is also one of the best movies of all time. And... What is great about those movies is that not only does that Aaron Sorkin script rule, obviously, but, like, you've got some of the most talented directors in the world directing that great script. And I just can't help but feel that Aaron Sorkin is not quite as good of a director as he is a writer. Um, Because it's very easy to compare, right? It's like you take a Sorkin script directed by David Fincher or Danny Boyle or... Uh, Mike Nichols and you're like whoa that rules and then you take an Aaron Sorkin script directed by Aaron Sorkin and you're like that was pretty good <laughs> you know it's like yeah. just, there's just sort of a comparison to draw in a way that not a lot of directors 
have that disadvantage of, <laughs> you, you know, being so easy to compare to themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I just... I mean, I that mean, being about said, the... he... I just... Stand up. Like, you guys have to fight. <laughs> I mean, he only started, di- like, his most recent directing credit, or his his oldest directing credit for film is Molly's Game in 2017. Yeah, he's only directed two movies. is not... Yeah, it, so it, it stands to reason that he wouldn't be as well-versed in directing, but I never felt like it was distracting in this movie. Like, no. Was it phenomenal and groundbreaking directing? No, but I think that it told the story in a really compelling way. So I, I wasn't mad at it. <laughs> yeah, I think it's the... Also- directorially, it's pretty... I, I don't want to say boring it's not like a chris columbus movie but it is like <laughs> zing um it, it's just like i don't know i don't want to call it like a point and shoot because it's not he he does right, do some right. very cool things especially with crowd work but just i think the editing is super cool the way that it layers stuff where like it will like layer testimony from like the stand-up to the court to like the actual event to like actual footage like actual <laughs> historical footage and the way that it like layers those things to like really give the audience like the full story from the perspective of like so many people like so quickly and all at once is just such a cool thing and like especially because this this movie is like 90 percent just a documentary because like the only really like story other than like the story of what happened to the court case it was like we have we just followed the basically the like I don't want to call it character growth because he's not a character. He's a dude, but you know what I mean? The character growth of the dude who starts the riots and he starts off, like, being very, like, pro-establishment and wanting to, like, respect the government and then how he's, like, changes to, like, really, like, respect the people around him who are doing things differently and stuff like that. Like, that feels like the only, like, storyline, like, goes through it other than just, like, depicting the history of it. So it's kind of cool. So I think the editing of, like, that historical really quick like showing you all the sides and giving you all the information so succinctly it's so cool and so effective yeah i think that's what's really great about this script which i do think is a pretty great script um oh yeah is just the the way that it it paints different characters political ideals in really specific really succinct and really effective ways right like, mm-hmm. the way that characters talk to each other and bounce off each other, like, you can, like, pinpoint what their ideals are on, like, a political compass, like, so mm-hmm. quickly through just, like, a few lines. And it really makes sense the way that they bounce off each other and interact with each other, just based on the minimal information you're given about them, you know? Yeah. Um, I think these characters are so well-drawn in that sense. Um, mm-hmm. and oh, totally, I, yeah. I think it's just fascinating, like, and I don't know, and that montage, I wanted to ask you guys about the montage at the very beginning, because I, I'm kind of of two minds about it, because on the one hand, it does kind of kick ass, like, it's very high energy, and you're like, let's fucking go, trial of the Chicago 7, let's get this trial done, baby, you're like, amped up mm-hmm. for this movie you're about to watch, but it is, like, taking a lot of, like, very, very serious tragedies of the 20th century and just, like, hitting you with them with, like, this very, like, peppy, very upbeat, very, like, exciting music all at once. (laughs) And it's, like, it's very effective in the sense, because a lot of what this movie's doing is that it's taking these very serious things and it's sort of 
packaging them in a very fun to watch environment you know it's making it snappy and kind of jokey and fun like you know Mm -hmm. until it isn't but that's like sort of part of the draw of the movie is that it kind of feels like a blockbuster in a lot of ways so i don't know what do you guys Mm -hmm. think about that 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 packaging of the assassination of martin luther king jr for example (laughs) at the beginning of this movie i think it's i think it's two things like on the one hand we're talking about the the nominations and there's the conversation to be had about where where editing is like where it's visible and noticeable people notice it you know but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's it's good it's just like very it's like the 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 editing is kind of in your face right in that way and i think that you know if we're talking about the way that if they're talking about the way they edited the historical footage with the um you know the movie footage um i think that's that's a cool point but with the beginning montage i think it was I mean, it was like a, a we didn't start the fire montage, right? <laughs> right, yeah. Mm. Yeah, I feel like tonally the montage like didn't set me up for the movie in the way that I wish it had. Like, it just seemed like, oh, this is happening and it's real and it's cool and look at all the things that happened during this social rights movement. Wow, mm-hmm. wow, wow, wow. And then... It kind of slows down, which I just, I think it didn't need it. I right. I liked hmm. being introduced to the seven, but I just, I feel like it was a little too, not much, but just not, it wasn't, it didn't match the rest of the film the way that I wish it had. And I do think. Actually kind of think it is a perfect parallel to the film, actually, because we're telling the story <laughs> of the riots and the trial kind of out of order. We're basically telling you the story of the riots as it comes up in the trial. So we kind of get information mm-hmm. in kind of like a jigsaw puzzly kind of way. Mm-hmm. But to like have that intro be like all these political events, I would have chosen a different music, some different music maybe, like just a little <laughs> bit different. Right. But yeah, to just have it be like so quick paced and so like in your face and loud and like exciting and quick and like getting you energized and then we kind of slow down. <clears throat> to me, like perfectly mirrors like what it must have been like to go through the Chicago riots and then sit through like a 190 day trial. Like, <laughs> right, you know what yeah. I mean? That is to, a like, cool this contrast, is, yeah. Yeah, this is politics happening now in your face. You are living history, and now you will have to sit in a courtroom for <laughs> months to figure out if what, like, just to figure out the details. And all that stuff. Right. I think you it actually, there. I think because, it actually very much sets you up for the film. Yeah, because what it's doing, it's doing something different than, um, because it's not setting up the context of the 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 details of the trial. It's setting up the context of the day and age in which they happen. Right is mm-hmm. is what. Because so it it has a different a different goal, but I think the bit that I liked is how I hadn't thought about how the the pace is contrasted with like like boom 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 important events and then like day one day two day twenty eight day sixty three you know <laughs> right yeah, yeah. uh huh <clears throat> yeah Especially I think they, I think I think that it's a good the montage isn't a bad way to start the film i think that is a good way to set the the context it just felt more like 10 things i hate about you than (laughs) like this is war and it's happening right now and it's a part of our american identity right yeah um no that song is such that's my problem (laughs) that song is such a banger it's like number one on my like hype music playlist 
because it's just like so high energy and intense. You're like, let's fucking go. Let's do this shit. Justice. And then like, I always like have to remind myself while listening to it. Like this is underscoring like uh, (laughs) the assassination of Bobby Kennedy and uh, the (laughs) universal draft of American soldiers to fight in Vietnam and like just yeah. all the horrible tragedies of the second half of the 20th century just yeah blasted yeah. at you all at once but yeah and i think not, not that, yeah i think it's hyping you for the wrong thing <laughs> right like, yeah the song yeah. does not match the, the imagery um i think so one of the things i i talked about a little bit off mic but i want to talk about on the show is i i love the phenomenon when there are like multiple movies that come out within a really short span of each other that are, like, kind of about similar things, especially when they're, like, true story movies that are about, like, the same people sometimes. I'm talking specifically about this movie and Judas and the Black Messiah, but it also Mm -hmm. happened, like, a few years ago with, like, Dunkirk and uh, Darkest Hour and Hidden Figures and First Man, like, all these movies that are, like, about the same... The Steve Jobs movies. The two Steve Jobs movies, of course. Auntie <laughs> um, and a Bud's like Life. <laughs> right, but it's like, they're telling real stories, but like different parts of the same stories with like, you know, some slight overlap, some like characters that sort of cross over, you know, and it like makes it feel like a cinematic universe in its own weird way. Um, <laughs> some Easter eggs that lead into each other. <laughs> exactly. But, like, this movie and Judas and the Black Messiah, I think, are fun to watch together. I mean, fun's the wrong word, but, like... Interesting. <laughs> yeah, because... Evocative. Judas and the Black Messiah is about the assassination of Fred Hampton, which mm-hmm. is sort of a side plot in this movie. It's, like, an important element of the story, but it's not, like, what the movie's about more than anything else. Um, mm-hmm. And, like, in Judas and the Black Messiah, they talk about Bobby Seale every once in a while, and in... Uh, Charlie Chicago 7, Fred Hampton's a minor character who plays a part in the story. And, like, the two movies are taking place, like, in the same city at the same time, but are about different things in a way that I think is really fun. Could um, you make mm-hmm. a confusing four-hour mix of these movies? <laughs> that would be fun. You just inter- <laughs> The only thing that would be a problem is that Fred Hampton would change actors. That's would be... cool, though. You could derive meaning from that. Right. This is maybe. Oh. Or they could just Hayden Christensen it and have him, like, go go it. Like, I don't know which actor would go in and play the opposite right. part. Oh. But, you well, know, they would have to go fight in to the death ghost. and then whoever wins. <laughs> yeah, that's right. true. Yeah. Whoever, they'll audition for it again, I, su- I suppose. Do you think they'll but ever do it that? It could work. <laughs> Do you think they'll ever do that on purpose? Do you think a studio will ever come out and say, like, hey, we're going to make a series of three movies about the space program in the 60s. Mm. And they're going to be all at once and they're going to literally be like a cinematic universe. Like, we're going to have the same actor playing the same character throughout these three movies, even though they're about different parts of that that story in that world. Do you think that would ever? I think that's a good idea. If I'm of two minds about that. It. I think that on the one hand, it's it's um I think it's kind of more compelling when it happens on accident because like you <laughs> right. were talking about off mic, you're saying it's cool to to contrast what they show and don't show and and the the way that they describe it. Like you you talked about how the um the order of events was changed between Judas and the Black Messiah and Trial of Chicago Seven, which I think is right. really fascinating, and I want to kind of dig into that a little more. But um I think that also that's kind of the realm of like 
Netflix miniseries though too. It's that's true. like if the, if you want to do really that, fair. it's like that's the uh, the what's it called the medium. <laughs> right. Yeah. No. Yeah. And what Wasn't I was there saying a whole was series that... about astronauts' wives. Didn't they already do this? Actually. Maybe. What? Uh, there was definitely like this. a prestige miniseries about astronauts' wives at some point. I don't remember anything about it though. That's really interesting. I just, I just remember that it exists. So. Uh, but anyway, Netflix beat us to this one. <laughs> what Vi was so graciously teeing me up to say was that, like, <laughs> uh, part of the one of the things I noticed watching Judas and the Black Messiah and Trial of Chicago Seven, excuse me, was that like the order of events of Bobby Seal being tied up in court and Fred Hampton being assassinated are flip flopped around. Because in Judas and the Black Messiah, they talk about Bobby Seale being tied up in court during the meat of the movie at one point. It's not like a plot point. They just, like, mention it. Um, and then later, Fred Hampton is assassinated. Um, but in Trial of the Chicago 7, Fred Hampton is assassinated. And that serves as Bobby Seale's, like, character motivation in the movie to to make a big fuss in court and get tied up and gagged. Um, mm-hmm. and I'm not sure how it went in real life. I have yet to, to actually do that research, but it's just interesting. Like the way in which, you know, just depending on the story and depending on, you know, how you want to express this, that, or the other, like the way that you can mm-hmm. like fudge little bits in the timeline like that. But it's just fun that those two movies came out this same year and sort of contradict each other's timelines is just funny to me. Yeah. If you want to, if we want to go into the, the synopsis, uh, whenever we're we're ready to do that, I think that I've got I have some. Th- I looked up the uh, the real one, and I will I will mic drop about my my um conclusions about the movie that okay, are great. drawn from that. Please do historical time. Do we want to do that right now? Yeah, just go for it. Okay, so um, it was actually the the Judas and the Black Messiah version. So it was okay. like October where um there was uh where he was bound and gagged in court, and then it was December. Um, when uh, the Fred Hampton, yeah, Fred Hampton was killed. Yeah, was assassinated. Right. Um, and I think that the bit that I that that reinforces my thoughts about the movie is that I think that the movie draws a lot of um conclusions about like emotional passion versus um like logic and reason, and that their way of doing that was showing that his outburst um was like caused by the emotion of the moment right and and like caused this stuff to happen um because before that he was kind of being able to like keep his cool even under terrible terrible circumstances right um that is what i'm thinking yeah a lot of the theming of this movie is built around like do you keep your head down and do things that you shouldn't have to do for the greater good or do you you know push through the bullshit and refuse to do things that you don't think you should have to do in spite of everything around you, you know? And mm-hmm. I think that like this movie does a really good job to me of sort of representing like, you know, I don't want to say like that, that what was happening is in some way influenced by the actions and decisions of the people who are being put on trial, but it's really good at representing that they are being set up still. Right. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. they're choosing to protest. They're the ones who are running around and getting angry, but they are also being, you know, chided by the police and set up for violence and goaded mm-hmm. into doing something 
violent right, in a way. What was the joke in the movie? It's like you could have told me that that crowd was seven protesters and a thousand cops in disguise. <laughs> right, exactly. That was really funny. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it, it's good at, at, like, you know, showing the flaws of, like, these different organizations at the time while also being really clear about the fact that it wasn't their fault really <laughs> you know yeah. like they were being taken advantage of in a lot of different ways on top of mm-hmm. whatever you know their own infighting and their own their own flaws as organizations whatever those mm-hmm. may be it's still it doesn't really matter in comparison to the ways in which they're being set up for failure by the rest of society you know like mm-hmm. it happened a few times where they'd be like because they're trying to Pin base. They're trying to pin the rights basically on these seven people and nobody else because they want these like seven leaders, quote unquote, to go to jail. Like they don't care about anybody else. They just want these people to be put away so you don't have to deal with them. And there's when that undercover cop comes up and he's and the lawyer's like, "Did anybody who throw a bottle or any of them in this room?" And she's like, "No." And he's like, "Anybody who punched a cop or they in this room?" And she's like, "No." Like it just really shows that like they. Basically, they didn't do anything wrong, you know, like, they, <laughs> right, of yeah. course, there's, like, inciting a riot and blah, 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 but, like, all of the damage that people are, like, pointing out and saying awful is, like, did these people do? And it's, like, no, like, actual crimes? <laughs> no. Right. But, yeah, and it's all about, or like, just, yeah. go ahead, Keisha. It's just, uh, yeah, like, seeking justice in an unjust system is never going to turn out well for that person or set of people. Like, they all go to try and get a permit to peacefully protest in the park or to peacefully protest outside of the DNC. It doesn't work. Like, a bunch of people go and try, and they say, this is going to happen. This isn't a threat. This is a warning. Like, people are coming, and they're angry Mm -hmm. about it. And then they go and try to get Tom bailed out of prison because he was trying to help his friend out. And they're... They're literally walking down the street and are confronted by cops. Like there's all of these systems that they're trying to work through in a just way are pushing back on them to the point where like they, you have to just work outside of that system, which is all of those leaders. There's like a mix of people who worked within the system and out of the system. It's interesting to, to frame in that way. Here's it's, the metaphor. Or say, how a film? Oh, okay. It's it's so weird how a film not about the Black Lives Matter protest could seem so much about the Black Lives Matter well, protest. Because yeah. all of the times when they're telling, <sighs> taking you through the riots and what happened, every time that the protesters would go somewhere where there's cops and they're like, "All right, let's go back to like where we're allowed to be, like where we were, where we won't start a fight." And they go back there and all of their exit routes are surrounded by the police. It's like, oh, that literally happened. Right. So many times during the Black Lives Matter protests where they would try to leave and they would make it so that you couldn't leave. And then when you didn't leave, they would beat the shit out of you and pepper spray you. Like, that's literally right. we literally already did this during the Chicago riots. <laughs> um, no. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's obviously and it's weird because this movie wasn't made in reference to that because that happened like three months before this movie came out. Um, yeah. And it's just one of those wild coincidences where you would think somebody would be scrambling to make this movie like right now and it would come out like yeah. a year from now right, and everyone right. would be like, geez, yikes, yeesh, topical much. 
but like this, <laughs> you know, like it's just everything yeah. lined up. I don't want to say in the right way, but like <laughs> everything just yeah. lined up for this movie to be like as topical as it possibly could be. Um, cause I mean, like I said, a lot of this movie is about, you know, like sort of leftist infighting and like how we all want the same things, but we disagree on how to get it. And th- here, here's the metaphor I came up with for society. Are you guys ready for this? This is what I was thinking oh, while I was watching oh, oh, oh. this movie. Are you putting on your Joker face paint? Yeah, I've got the Joker on. So, okay, you're starving, okay, right? And mm-hmm. uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson has a bunch of food. And he says, well, Jackson, I know you're very hungry, so here's here's what I'll do. If you can beat me in Monopoly, I'll give you some food. So here's he, you have three options, right? You can try <laughs> to beat him in Monopoly to get the food. Uh, you can fight him physically and just take the food, or you can try to make friends with him and just convince you to give him the food even though you didn't play Monopoly. And, like, that's sort of just... When it, when it comes to, like, leftist ideology, that's the decision you're faced with, right? Like, mm-hmm. you gotta get the food. <laughs> and there's this, like, scenario in front of you... And the problem is, like, deciding between those three options that all seem really tough, that, like, all, like, are equally sort of hard to pull off. And that's, I I think one of the things I like about this movie a lot is that it doesn't show any of those three options as any more or less viable or reasonable than any other, which I think rubbed a lot of people the wrong way when it came out. This movie has been sort of at least among, like, film people, has been sort of polarizing, I think, just for that reason, right? Like, besides Mm -hmm. the fact that it's, like, illustrating, you know, like, the realities of, like, how protesters are set up and, and, like, the politics of, like, policing, especially, Mm -hmm. like, around the ideas of social change, but, like, secondary to that is, like, leftist infighting and, like, these people having these disagreements, these fundamental disagreements about how they should be doing these things that they are all mutually invested in um and the movie isn't really taking any definitive stance about which one is right besides that you know we should still respect each other even in in spite of that you know mm-hmm. um yeah in fighting's gonna get us nowhere is basically right. what the movie's um, and you know which is not to say like oh reach across the aisle you know it's more like if (laughs) it's not saying you should you should respect everybody it's saying you should respect people who fundamentally want the same thing as you but have a different idea how to get it if you and your friend want to go to the grocery store and you want to drive (laughs) and your friend says that's bad for the environment and they want to take their bike instead of calling each other fascists why don't you just agree on something you know (laughs) right um well i think it is the way that it's framed in this movie is so fascinating because in the beginning, uh, which, who is it? The, uh, Robbie, maybe? No. I'm trying to, Rennie. Rennie is, like, keeping track of all of the names of right. the young men who have died in Vietnam and is reminding Tom, like, we need to remember that this isn't about us, even though it's going to feel like it's about us this whole time. Right. Because mm-hmm. when you are wrapped up in, like, seeking out social justice and change it's hard to fight off that part of your id that's like this is about me and (laughs) this is my pride and i need to do what's right for myself um and i need to look good because 
that's what happens with Tom this whole time is he's trying to stand up for these things, but he's also trying to do it and withhold respect or like have the people around him respect him, even if they completely disagree with all of his ideology. And so by the end, when he's like checking in and being like, so you want me to be brief and respectful and, uh, whatever and then he goes on and reads four thousand names <laughs> right like mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. it's so good it's such a good turnaround so because good. especially yeah. in today like we our generation gets so caught up with like slacktivism and posting things on instagram and making sure that when we speak about social justice like it's seen and right. that doesn't mm-hmm. actually do mm-hmm. anything like that. Mm-hmm. The way that Tom had been handling things doesn't actually do anything or it does something, but doesn't that doesn't do everything. Like we need people who are also out there being hippies and yippies and making jokes about it. And we need people who are out fighting the fight on the streets. Like we need all of these things happening together instead of, Mm -hmm. yeah, like you were saying, tearing each other down. It's right. I really enjoy this movie. I think it's great. One of the observations that this movie makes when they're talking about like leftist infighting in the sixties specifically is Eddie, Eddie Redmayne has that line where he's talking about Abby Hoffman and he's like, the thing about you is that I'm terrified that 50 years from now, when we think about, like, social justice in the 60s, people are only going to remember you. People being crazy and goofy and being into drugs and sex and trying to love it. Yeah, they won't take it seriously. Yeah, exactly. Which is, like, exactly what happened. Like the Oh, yeah. For mm-hmm. generations, like, I knew hippies as a punchline before I understood them as any sort of political force, you know, when I was growing Mm -hmm. up and learning about history. I like when you Mm -hmm. walk into a fucking Jimmy John's, there's a big sign on the wall that says no hippies allowed. And it's like a fun little inside joke. Like, don't we all hate hippies, you know? And it's like, that is like, that has to be like one of the most productive and successful pieces of like government propaganda in history. Like the way that people Mm -hmm. just hated hippies for so long. And it's like, if you like break down what that means, like if you walked into a fast food place and they were like, Hey, if you protested, if you protested the Vietnam war, get the fuck out of here. You'd be like, "Uh, Hey, what the hell? Like, that's not cool. Like, (laughs) that's not how we do things here. But like we turned hippies into a, just a punchline. Like the entire Mm -hmm. social justice movement of the sixties for so long is like distilled down to like, Oh, these guys, right. Doing LSD in the parks. Uh (laughs) They're stinky. They're stinky. They're not a shower. It's like (laughs) on, on a certain level, like he's supremely right in that moment. Like, and that's what I like about this movie too, is that it shows the like hippie movement as like a political movement. And it only, I mean, it, you know, it does a little bit only in a reasonable yeah, amount, a I think, trial. but it's like thinking, thinking of hippies as being a political movement who were very much right and very much justified in the things they believed at the time, you know, like this mm-hmm. movie like respects hippies as an idea so much more than like anything else I've ever, than I can think mm-hmm. of like in I'm recent kind of- history, you know? Mm-hmm. I'm glad that it, um, like the way part of the way that it portrayed them, it did like it felt, you know, honest and contextual. But I think that um, a way that it stuck to its messaging was how they didn't like water down 
bits of the hippies like when they were i i gotta say i love that the character that they were trying to get a permit from toward the beginning for the part <laughs> right that was such a good character for such a short time on screen but um but they were talking to him and they were like we're going to be having sex in the park and we're going to set up tents and there will be drugs and that's what we're going to do. Just FYI. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. like, because part of the messaging of the movie is saying like, I think that it's calling it when it was calling attention to how um, Tom was worried uh, hippies or this movement would be portrayed in the future. Part of that was like, Hey, people like you are making a mockery of ideas and giving them fodder for this. And the correct way to do this would be to not, to, to be harder to make fun of, right? <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. Um, but, I, but I like that in the movie, they were like, eh, like those things that people made fun of, that those are still things that's part of their whole ideology. Right. You know, it didn't, it didn't try to water it down and be like, actually, they weren't that crazy, you know? <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because, yeah, it's that whole thing. It's like, you shouldn't have to not be a hippie, right? Like, their whole thing is, like, yeah. there's nothing inherently wrong with what we're doing and the way we live. We shouldn't have to not do these things. But an argument can be made that you should do it anyway, right? Because that's what's mm -hmm. going to be the most helpful. You're going to have mm -hmm. to compromise this thing in order for the greater good, right? Like but, they were saying about, like, if no one gets into office, then it doesn't matter what happens Exactly, next. right. There are these yeah, things yeah. that, like, you shouldn't have to do, but you might have to do. You Like, ethically, you shouldn't be forced to do this, but you mm -hmm. might need to do it in order to do what you're trying mm -hmm. to get done there was like a lot of really vague nouns in there but just roll with it uh uh-huh because he uh yeah kind of like our blood, blood. Um, but yeah it's just i i think it's it's just a very relevant it made it's one of those things that makes you realize i mean mank does a really good job of this too where it's just like oh yeah politics aren't as different as you think they are <laughs> from what it was 40 years ago 80 years ago 100 years mm. ago you know um, yeah. mm -hmm. and like you know there are particular issues that that rise and fall but in the grand scheme of things there are a lot of political conversations that haven't really changed a whole lot since then uh which is i don't know depending on how you look at it can either be like very legitimizing or very depressing uh, and it just yeah. well like David Dellinger they were calling him a draft dodger because he didn't go fight in World War II right and then at the same time like Tom is like oh I would never go fight in Vietnam but they were like I, I don't know how I think it was their lawyer who was representing right. them who was like I even have a hard time respecting <laughs> you because how could you not go fight in World War II you're right. fighting the Nazis and he's like well because I didn't want to kill people. <laughs> That's <laughs> right. why I'm anti-war. Yeah. That's why. Well, I think, That's the I same think he actually right says, now. I think he actually says he's like we can have a conversation about it, but and then they like move on. Like I think right. it's funny. Mm -hmm. He's like yeah. I can tell you exactly what I was thinking, but you know. I just want to say like, it's the same thing I'm thinking right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Mark Rylance, who plays the lawyer, is so fucking good in this movie. I love him so oh, he much. Is. Um. Mm -hmm. Honestly, I. I, I like Sasha Baron Cohen in this movie well enough, but I think mm -hmm. much more deserving Best Supporting Actor nominations would be either Mark Rylance as the lawyer or uh, Yaya Abdul-Mateen as Bobby Seale. Because I think those two are like absolutely just knock it out of the park in this movie. I think they're so good. Oh, yeah. In like yeah. very different ways, too. Like Mark Rylance is just so great at being 
charismatic and witty and righteous in a, all exactly the right ways that make him not frustrating mm-hmm. to watch and easy to root for in a way that I think yeah. is so... He doesn't come across as, like, you know... What's the word? White saviory. Well, yeah, he doesn't come across as white saviory. He doesn't come across as overconfident or cocky. He just feels like a guy mm-hmm. who's trying his best to do the right thing, um, in a way that I think is just so difficult. And then on the opposite end of the spectrum is Yaya Abdul Mateen, who's just playing this guy who is just so angry, <laughs> and he like just the absolute rage of this guy who is just fundamentally not supposed to be there, and like. Right. Him in that scene in the jail cell with Eddie Redmayne and Mark Rylance is so good. Where he's talking about, like, the difference between the stakes for, like, somebody Mm -hmm. in the Black Panther Party and somebody, (laughs) you know, in the Yippies or whatever it is. Um, Yeah. Mm -hmm. In a way that I think is just, it's, it's such an important nuance for that story that I'm glad that they, like, acknowledge, you know? I just think Yaya Abdul-Mateen is so good. Yeah, I really do like that they, like, I really do like that they, like, shine a light on that story, even for briefly. Like, I feel like they give, they're like, this isn't what we're talking about. This isn't the main part, but it is a part of history. It is a part of the history of the Chicago 7. We are going to give it its time and, Mm -hmm. like, really put meaning into it and really, like, tell you what it says about, like, society at that time. Like, why was he there? And then we're going to move on, kind of. Like, I like that. Like, it's important. We give it its time. We show and emphasize how important and meaningful it was. And then we move on. Like, you know? Right, yeah. (laughs) I loved... Part of of that story that that stood out to me was how it, um, you know, it was obviously there illustrating the apparent racial tension like, tensions i should I, right. well not like not like apparently but like that they were apparent and clear right um yeah. <laughs> um and there were um, like racial but, tensions or whatever i don't know i don't um, know apparently i hear um but there was <laughs> i'm oh being God. told that <laughs> um but it was there was a lot of it that was um i loved the storytelling so you know he starts out it's a kind of like um like badumch like kind of look at the camera moment where he's like you know the news talks about this chicago seven and you're like oh, that's the title of the movie and you're like but he's like but there's i'm the eighth person i don't belong here and i love how it like obviously it brings attention to it multiple times but you understand that you know because of those racial tensions they're trying to um associate him with the uh, with the rest of them to like in a really disgusting way, make them look bad. Right. Um, yeah. But also mm-hmm. to like, uh, oh, I lost it, but it, it's, it's like the way that they're trying to associate them all with like the, um the fact that he doesn't have a lawyer and like, they're like, Oh, just, just represent him because you're all mm-hmm. the same and you're all together. Right. And you're like, no. So it's, yeah. I, I like how they make that about more than, than it is. Right. right. No, yeah. yeah. I, or, or I guess, yeah. I guess like they it's, show, it's they sets you, it it sets you up as like a viewer with this toolbox of ways to identify different ways that systems are set up to make yeah. the smaller guy fail. Like mm, that's well, a really good way to put it. We we asked for a, we asked for the trial to be pushed up because his lawyer just got surgery and they ignore it because well why wouldn't you just represent him and he, he over and over. Like for months is saying, no, I I am not going to re- represent him because that is an injustice right there. I don't know his case. I can't represent him 
properly. He shouldn't even be here. So I'm not going to give you the time of day. And like when the police are entering in, like they always give you little nooks and crannies to latch onto and recognize it's, it's really interesting. And, and the way like you always see how the judge is a hundred percent manipulating it in honor of the state so that it's the state you can't in this court you will not say that to this courtroom again right when re- in reality he just feels disrespected and so he's he's not listening to anything like striking stuff from the record right ah crazy i love it maybe not want to be a lawyer <laughs> I, know, I love that little blurb at the end where they're like doing like the where are they now because it's a historical movie so we know the conclusions right. so we're gonna tell you really quick i gotta I love say like, i love those yeah, like no matter what movie it is i'm always like tell me where they yeah. are now i want to know <laughs> but i love that they're like yeah 70 percent of judges say that this guy was on some fucking bullshit they're like yeah <laughs> that judge sucked ass right but like, then I, I looked love that it they up. threw that in there. It's like we don't, we don't like, we do. He's not ours anymore. We don't take it. <laughs> well, here's the thing. Though, but like because... the the unfortunate oh, thing is that he. Oh, I just I like I always like to pop in and see what they didn't describe in mm-hmm. their little blurbs because how could they describe a, a person's whole biography? <laughs> this it's just, just like another hour of a text scroll. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Their whole Wikipedia it's, page it's, just goes yeah. down. <laughs> yes. But he was, he stayed on as a judge for Illinois for like another 10 years. Yeah. So mm, it's terrible. Like even if judges were like, oh yeah, we he's, he's wacky i don't know what he's saying like he still had the ability to go out and do injustice at the state level it's just crazy Mm -hmm. what are i believe the statistic was like was like lawyers now like they like pulled them to see yeah it wasn't it wasn't an in time yeah i think that's what it was it was like we pulled lawyers it's like we did this and they said that he sucks like Like, you think he was whack Yeah, no, at the time, we do if they were think like, oh, yeah, that guy sucks, that would have been horrible. I would have hated it. But the fact they're like, we're, we ask people now and everybody is in agreement that that guy sucked ass. It's like, okay, awesome, great. No, I, I think we'll check it, but I thought. I think they yeah, were talking about it at the time. Like, even as it was happening, oh, no, people didn't like think that. he was fit. But then what ended up happening was after that initial trial, when they got their, like, appeal and all that stuff, they got a slightly better outcome because they had, like, a different judge who was not super whack. Um, no, but I thought they didn't do a retrial. It's the whole thing. I mean, it said they got an it was, appeal. It just and then, got. It was a mistrial. Yeah. Okay. Like we don't have to get into the semantics about <laughs> right. how yeah, the trials work. But yeah, it's so wild. That, it's so crazy. Okay, just super quick. I got to interrupt. Wu Jumbo in the chat is on some bit about how they think Jeff Lebowski should be in this movie, and I don't get what the joke is. I'm sorry. What is I going? Need you to explain it to me, Wu Jumbo. <laughs> Is it is it yippee? I think just it, a big fan. I guess. <laughs> oh, it's because they're hippies. But are they really hippies, or do they just have long hair and do drugs? I mean, yeah, I was going to say Jeff Bridges is, is not because... a political activist in the Big Lebowski. <laughs> <laughs> he says that he was in the Chicago Seven. He asked Julianne Moore if she's ever heard of the Chicago Seven. Oh, that's right. Maybe more people should have heard about the right. Chicago Seven. I do remember that line. That's kind of funny. Oh my God. I remember it's a good movie. I uh, think Jeff it was a good joke. Would be, I think he'd be one of the the throwaways, like Lee Weiner, right? One of the ones that they or like. John Fronies, yeah. Well, uh, yeah, the like, one of, we, which is also another one of those nuggets that they give you. They're like, yeah, but like oh, it's easy to acquit them. 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it looks like they were somewhat lenient. It was that's just so brilliant. Like I never would have gotten my like I'm no L Woods. I need it to be explained to me, and they did. Right. Um, I I don't know why I'm so obsessed with that moment at the beginning when Abby Hoffman and Jeremy Strong, I don't remember the guy's real life name, um, but when somebody throws an egg at him and he catches it, and he just has to like hold the egg <laughs> for the rest of the scene, I think that mm-hmm. is such a perfect screenwriting gag. I think it's so funny. And like it's just that moment, you're like, yeah, what would you do? What would you do with an egg if you just had to hold one <laughs> in that situation? You'd have to just put – you wouldn't put it in your pocket because you'd be afraid you'd squish it. You'd just have to, like, hold it and, like, try to find somebody to take it eventually. Like, what do you do? Mm-hmm. I just think it's you so funny. You find a trash can, Jackson. Right, no, but if there really good aren't trash cans around. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It's a great goof. It's like the one of the only goofs in this whole movie, and it's very right. good. Well, there's also the one when they come in wearing uh, robes, like judge robes, right? And then yeah. he's like, "Take that off! That's so disrespectful!" And they have cop uniforms <laughs> on. Yeah, and they're like, "I was going to say two counts of contempt." <laughs> I there are a lot of bits in this movie. This movie is there's very much gag. set up as sort of like a crowd pleasy, like fun, exciting, you know like this movie is not like a really dour really serious movie i think that's part of what that intro we spent so much time talking about does well is that it sets you up it's like this is about serious stuff but it's gonna be fun i promise (laughs) you know like it's exciting on some level more than it is just dour and sad um Mm -hmm. Which is it does. which was why I would be hesitant to cut together Judas and the Black Messiah in this movie because this movie is very <laughs> exciting and light in a lot of ways, and Judas and the Black uh-huh. Messiah is not. Uh, Maybe I think you just the total need a little break sometimes. Would be wild. Um, well, I was gonna say I do think some of the bits are definitely like. I mean, I, as far as I know, I don't know the story that well, but like they seem like historical bits to me, right? Especially because the hippies were so much about like making a scene, basically, and getting attention and grabbing attention because that's right. what they thought. They thought the way they were going to make their mark is by basically like making a mockery of the trial and like being as loud as possible and showing what they meant. Like that's how they were going to get what they do- what they wanted, and that's why they like dressed up and stuff. So it seemed like historical bits to me it's like it seemed very intentional like it's so light and funny it's because because in some ways that's kind of what the hippies were like trying to do they were trying to like make li- make light of the government and right like that you know that's good writing a good writing a but yeah but i mean a you know i think the biggest thing is that the writing is so snappy like every oh, yeah. every oh, little yeah, yeah, back yeah. and forth mm-hmm. is like it's not like a joke where you're like oh my god ha 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 it's just like clever and like funny you know in like a really mm-hmm. quick back and forth way. Like what's the moment where Michael Keaton's on the stand and the judge just goes sustained. He's like, nobody objected. And then they're like, what yeah. do we do? Yeah. And like just <laughs> their, their rhythm gets interrupted and out of order in a way that's really funny. Or like, you know, mm-hmm. this is obviously, it's the sort of thing that like reeks of being like a real historical bit that he put in there. But like the judge at the beginning, like constantly like forgetting people's names and not calling people the oh right my names. God, yeah. And mm-hmm. just how frustrating, and it's like it is kind of funny, but it also just illustrates how thoroughly frustrating the entire ordeal is. You know, mm-hmm. like <laughs> just that, like, like right off the-, the bat, they can't even get him to call them by the right names. You're like, oh my god, yeah. dude! 
Or with like juror number six, where right. like she's just obviously for them, like for their movement. And so then you can tell that they, she apparently gets a, a threatening letter from the Black Panther movement, but it's obviously not from the Black Panthers because, but she can't just be like, no, I don't believe that. I'm going to keep my family <laughs> right. under like in this threat. Like that's so good. That's such a cool. Yeah. Little as if the thing, government they don't hasn't hold your hand and through pretend it. it's the Black Panther movement. Right. <laughs> and then she shows up, she's sitting there in in the court and she's watching, and Dellinger's son is watching, and at first he looks like he's downtrodden, but then he's he's a little social justice warrior at the end, <laughs> standing close. <laughs> um, it warms my heart. I just my gotta say socialist heart. when when Michael Keaton shows up for the first time in this movie, like mm-hmm. an hour and a half in, that is yes. that is like Captain America picking up Thor's hammer to me. That's like, oh yes! <laughs> like I want to like jump up and like pound my fist and be like, yes, Michael! He's gonna fix <laughs> yeah, it! I know Michael he is! Never misses. I know <laughs> He's him! Bad a thousand I know him! <laughs> it was just so exciting. He's never been bad, he'll never be bad. And it was just He's one so of those things... Like, they put it in the trailer, and I personally, I don't think they should have. But, like, just the fact that it's so late into the movie before he shows up, even if I knew somewhere in the back of my mind that Michael Keaton was going to show up at some point, I had completely forgotten about it by the time it came around. So it's like, it feels like a surprise no matter what. You're like, oh, yes, we're getting that Keaton bump. Just like it's a real (laughs) shot in the arm for the rest of the movie. I just love it. I love Michael Keaton. Uh, I, like, I love Michael I like Keaton that too. he plays like the good guy government guy. I like right. how he's just like, yep, the police started. Peace yeah. out, bitches. Right. Like, I love that. And then, yeah. like, even that, but you get the former the secretary general or whatever the fuck he was just being like, they were right. The president said so. And then the judge is like, uh, actually, I don't think that counts. And you're like, oh, no. What? I know. It's like so <laughs> wild. Yeah, and like the, I love that the victory, like the movie doesn't end with them like being set free because that wasn't the point of the movie. Right. Like, yeah. It ends with because it wasn't fo- about focus them. back on. It, yeah. What? Because, but like, it's so easy to fall into that pitfall of like, well, this is a movie about these people going to prison. Shouldn't we show them being? freed from prison because we want the people to feel whatever like a sense of I don't know like happiness because it is more lighthearted but like we we don't we don't need that because that that's not where the sense of victory is coming from in this movie right I liked it I think casting I Sasha that. Baron Cohen as Abby Hoffman is like a really genius casting decision just in the sense that like abby hoffman was sort of like a leftist political activist with the trappings of a comedian you know whereas like sasha baron cohen is like a comedian with the trappings of a leftist social activist you know like he's yeah they sort of occupy like sort of inverse spaces just slightly tipped one way or the other but like i just think as a piece of like meta narrative for the movie i think that's a really smart casting decision I do think that him and Jeremy Strong are playing, like, 10% too broad sometimes. Like, especially the bits where Jeremy Strong is, like, complaining 
about that woman who like seduced him and he's like you can't just send somebody to ensorcel me felt like a little too jokey at just the wrong time you know am i the only one who feels like that way joke stoneheads yeah no totally um stoneheads whatever wait what <laughs> wait what were you trying to say stoners oh okay, well sometimes yeah. like he definitely like he's like are you high and he's like are you not and hey look at that what's that word i even think you know like sometimes they'd like he's just like oh look at the funny stoner and it's like you're doing it you're doing it again you're falling into the hippie <laughs> trap right <laughs> but yeah and i think like as much as I do think that this movie is a really good portrayal of, like, Abby Hoffman and who he is, like, there is still... It's just it's just that, that thermostat, right? Like, switching between, like, 67 and 68 degrees sometimes. You're like, mm-hmm. ah, it's a little too jokey. A little too jokey right now. Maybe that would have fit better in another part of the movie. But for right now, I'm just not feeling it, you know? Like, the egg feels real and funny, but ensorcelled. And then <laughs> jokery explaining the definition of ensorcelled just really right. quick. It feels like too uh, too jokey. Mm-hmm. Too many yeah. goofs. Oops, um. all goofs. <laughs> um, which is why also, I think we haven't said. Oh, I was just gonna say it really feels like it. they wanted to nominate Sasha Baron Cohen for Borat, but they decided they probably should just nominate him for this instead. But whatever, it's fine. Yeah, they're like, we can't nominate. We can't nominate that guy for Borat <laughs> because can, then we yeah. have to say that Borat has something to say and we don't right. like it with jokes. <laughs> I do like how this movie very much just, just like, yeah, oh, c- comedy and comedians have always been on the forefront of politics, movie not. Like, I like how right. they just like totally like, yeah, this is totally reputable. This was a part of history. It changed politics. It was very important, movie not. You know, like, because right. like even today, I feel like. We had weird, sometimes we respect comedians and their political views and how they can get people on board with political views. And sometimes we don't, like, Borat is the perfect example. Like, Borat is a political thing through and through, mm-hmm. but because right. it's Borat, we're not, we're not going to nominate like Trevor it for Noah. something. Right, yeah. Trevor Noah, yeah. comedian who does politics. Politics who does a comedian. Hard to say. Politics who does a comedian. I'm going to put that on my resume. Who's to yes, say. politics who does a comedian. Um, yeah. And it's just, it's it's nice that they're like, yeah, they just like legitimize it, but like without even saying anything is right. really nice. I always think, I think people like Sasha Baron Cohen just make me think about, uh, Oh fuck! What's the guy's name? George Carlin. I because I just don't yeah, like yeah. George Carlin at all. Yeah. I think his whole shtick mm. is like the most "we live in a society" ass bullshit that like yeah. felt like <laughs> like the absolute end all be all of political commentary in like 1988 or whatever. <laughs> and it just yeah. like every single one of his bits are just like, and the schools in their the agenda of the man. It was like the 70s, 80s, you know, it was a different time. We weren't having the same conversation. I've just, I've always, I feel like there are so many comedians throughout history who do political comedy. And I think Sasha Baron Cohen is a great, perfect example of like comedy that is so much more smart and insightful and interesting than George Carlin ever was. Like, I don't know. Maybe that's an unpopular opinion. Maybe people are going to be mad at me, but like, I don't like George Carlin at all. Didn't he also do I also like a am not billion a fan. specials? Like they, he just did so many of them. Yeah, I think he did. I mean, and it's one of those things where it's like he died pretty young, so that yeah. sort of colors the way we think of him a lot. Also, but 
Okay, hold on. I gotta bounce. Got a lot of oh, I think... favor. I gotta bounce again really quick because I gotta grab my laptop charger. But you can continue. <laughs> but like, I also am not a huge fan of George Carlin. The way that he does, like, oh, people like stuff. Well, stuff equals bad. Um, and you're bad yeah. for liking things. And that's just. Yeah, I yeah, feel yeah. like that's fair. Like you shouldn't put so much worth into physical objects but it's also not bad to have things and like them like yeah it's that like you're just you're making an enemy out of the wrong people like your general audience is who you're critiquing yeah. instead of like Sasha Baron Cohen who is critiquing like a system on a on a huge scale that is poorly impacting regular people mm-hmm. so yeah. I, I mean, like it's, there's it's, a difference it's ex- like the exact argument about like pollution and stuff. It's like, how dare you drive a car and not recycle all of your plastic? And it's like, okay, but that's not that's not what the problem is, you know. Like me liking things is you could you can attribute it to a part of a problem, but that's not that's not all of the problem. And just villainizing everybody who likes a thing isn't going to solve anything. Yeah, or like in this movie when they're like, you're not taking it seriously. You're not that argument is serious. And so that's that's the reason why like the war is going to keep going on. That's the reason why they're not going to take it seriously. Where the real reason is that there is like a corrupt system that is keeping people fighting in wars and making money off of. (laughs) So crazy that when we send young boys to die, then they make money off of it. Whoa, that's cringe. (laughs) <laughs> I like how how far are we away from election? like big protests outside of Washington DC and they're chanting war is cringe war is cringe <laughs> I hope further oh, away God. than we were like I hope light years away <laughs> it is though I guess like you're wrong like I don't want to fight you on that that's not the fight that we're fighting is the <laughs> right I do think it's Jackson in the future or everybody else now, I guess. I can definitely tell that, like, for some reason, my audio is a little bit out of sync because I feel like I've been talking over people a lot. And I'm not intentionally trying to. I'm sorry. I haven't noticed that. That's okay because we're all fighting the same thing. Okay, cool. Maybe I just interrupt people a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe the problem is you. Maybe I'm the problem. Yeah, oh, introspection. Let's have an introspective yeah. moment. You also also just turned into a robot, Jackson. <laughs> oh yeah, I know why that is. Okay, sorry. I was trying to look up a review oh, gotcha, on good. the computer, but if I do anything more than just the stream, the audio gets weird. Uh, whoa. Uh, see, my introspective moment on myself. Here's I think that I sing too many sentences in my day to day where I don't need to, you know? Like, I'll be like, it's time for the love. <laughs> it's your maybe, flavor. It's, but maybe that doesn't need to be my flavor. Maybe I don't need flavor <laughs> maybe I could be in all of my <laughs> Maybe it's time to try out Cool Ranch instead of nacho <laughs> cheese. <laughs> <laughs> Just switch it up to spicy nacho. See, I don't know. No, I think no, no. We- I think I've said everything that I've wanted to say about the movie, not to just cut off all conversation, but like, <laughs> I, 
I don't I'm... know how to do an intro for a creepy pasta because we've been oh, talking wait, about very serious politics. Yes, please go on, <laughs> Keisha. I just my last thing. I think all of the performances are really, really fantastic, stellar, knock out of the park. I just want to say, a we never talked about Joseph Gordon-Levitt, but he gave a really good, compelling, like layered performance that I think is worth mentioning. And I still yeah. can't get over Eddie Redmayne's accent. I just can't. Mm. It's what still not it? very good. Oh, <laughs> I just that don't was think it's Eddie amazing. Redmayne, isn't it? Yeah. I have a hard time. Like, I'm really good at picking up when an American accent is fake. Like, even if it's one that's just, like, there's no mistakes at all. And Eddie Redmayne's voice, there's just something about it that doesn't sound American. And when he does like a Chicago accent, it just is distracting for me for some reason. I, I don't like that about myself. Maybe that's my flavor. <laughs> but I can hear fake American <laughs> accents His too well. bothers me. Hilarious. It's just like the same thing happened in Promising Young Woman. Like Carrie Mulligan's accent is flawless. Like she never like messes up, but I can just hear it. I just hear it for some reason. I don't know why. <laughs> My ears are trained. That's all I have to say, though. Love yeah, J- no, the acting Jay- performances are so good. Yeah, really good. But I, I just I wanted to ask you about structurally with yeah. the with the with the narrative of the movie, which was mm-hmm. I think I, I think there are exceptions to this, but I think there's a strong enough trend that it's something. Um, there's I think that there's a lot of focus on. Y- y'all know the movie Crash. Yeah. No. Yes. Oh no! Um, c- correct me if I'm if I'm wrong, <laughs> y'all that know about it and its history. But it um it was this it's this uh it won an Oscar. It won best picture. Won best picture. Mm-hmm. That's what it was. Thank yeah. you. Um and um the it it in years since and probably at the time gained a little bit of flack. It was like this movie about a bunch of people's lives intersecting at just like the worst moments and like their interpersonal struggles and all the sides to ev- and to you know there's multiple sides to every story and all this stuff and um and one of the things that I remember being a prominent critique of it was how it reduced like complex issues to like personal grudges and yeah. And I think that I, I, um, I think that there's, I, I, I'm seeing something, I I just got kind of some, some vibes of, of like reducing social issues to, or rather reducing institutional problems to individual people and their problems that they have. Like, and I think that one of the ways that it did that was in contrasting, like, um legality and illegality so like in the movie some of the worst moments and like some of like you know the big antagonist the judge is like some of the biggest uh criticisms of him is that there are times that he does things that are that should be illegal you know he does things that are wrong on purpose um and it's framed as being like oh he's bending the system in ways that get the outcome that he wants right and it's framed as a as a him problem Right. Like at the end where it's like, all all the lawyers knew that this judge was bad, you know, and like, oh, Mm -hmm. I think that there are some other times where it's like, oh, and the cops, they shouldn't have taken off their badges and their numbers. And like, that's when, you know, a cop's going to do a bad thing is because they're they're breaking the law, you know. Um, And I think that there are little moments all all throughout where it's like, I don't it it felt like they were reducing issues to um, there being some 
bad people in in place. And I think that you know early on at the beginning of the podcast, you mentioned that um, uh, Eddie Redman's character Tom was like speaking speaking truth to power, you know, and how. But I think that I think that I think that the 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 arc of his character is that you know based on the the text, you know, you can't you can't narrativeize a person's life to to be what you want it to be necessarily. But I think the way that mm-hmm. it was presented was like, and then Tom entered the system and was able to continue enacting the change he wanted from within because he was someone that was good on the inside. And like, right. he probably followed the laws in the courts the way they were supposed to be. Um, that's any thoughts on that? Any contradictory? I mean, I have without, you know, myself being a fucking white guy like my take is basically that like you know the problem with things like crash and like green book is that when Mm, they talk mm. about racism they talk about a guy being like hey black people what's up with them they suck and it's like right you have to convince him that black people don't suck and it's like that's not what racism (laughs) is and then we Um, fixed all racism right um, I, think, I got some of those vibes about like, uh, but like toward misogyny with the the frat boys. I felt like they they were very they had a very small role. It was very specific, <laughs> right. and very very much a caricature, and it didn't feel it didn't feel real. Right. It felt like and those guys, you know. So, but here's what I'll say is that I think that I think that structural societal issues are also partly personal issues, right? Mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. thing it's not that the system is perfect and the only problem is bad people within it. It's that the system cultivates people being bad within it on its own. Right. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. the, the reality is, is that this judge does suck and his biases are, are personal and another person in that exact same position might not Mm -hmm. have done that. But I think it is also it. I think the movie is meaning that to be reflective of the way that like the system quote unquote in general Mm -hmm. functions. Right. I don't, I don't think at least my take is that it's not, it's not individualizing. Like this is the story of how these 75 cops, I mean, that's a weird one because it's a lot of cops, but like, it's not like the story of why this one judge was bad. It's like why this one judge was indicative of a system that like this whole, this whole conflict would not exist if they were the only bad people in this, in this system you know and i think it's you know the only way that you can depict a corrupt system is to corrupt its influence on individuals within it i don't think there's any meaningful way in a story like this where you could be like and also you know the whole system is corrupt and people with money are always in the power and like you know all whatever things you could say is a lot of big complicated ideas to be able to put in this already very crowded script about a real I think event. you're right and also you it's know? like it it is trying to get an academy award you know it it, it is gunning for <laughs> the um for it, it, the award circuit for sure and that's that's definitely part of the the way it was right. written and directed and you're talking yeah. about like broad yeah. appeal like it feels like a blockbuster version of of like uh, like the the like <laughs> twelve angry men, you know, like it's, right, it's a court yeah. drama, but it's like mm-hmm, big mm-hmm. big big emotions. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I do I like that. I like that because twelve angry men does boil down to 
like here are 12 individuals who are taking this instance of justice versus injustice into their own hands whereas we see different levels of like the judicial system happening and functioning and taking advantage of different laws and structures like you see the from the single judge all the way up to like the attorney general and the trading off of power and how they're just like a a personal upset that caused a ripple effect of injustices all the way down right and that's even seal like like seal at one point gets information on a certain law that had been passed that was supposed to be beneficial to him and they're like well actually because of this 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 and this um you actually don't benefit from that even though it was meant to like be something for you we actually are going to twist it because we went to law school and you didn't t he he right i can see though how like this film is very specifically about anti-war protesting and Mm -hmm. it it was kind of generalized to be like this could be protesting about anything right which i Mm -hmm. think does weaken its stance only slightly like i'm i'm i still think it's important especially the way that it dissects all of the ways that we witness injustice happening but not aren't necessarily introduced to so we are kind of lost in the sauce when it when it happens in front of us right i think that's my that's my gripe singular is that they're kind of like it could be about racial injustice or it could be about anything else you whatever you see which is i mean that's true like you should be able to apply this to all things but I feel like if you're going to be so strongly in this anti-war settlement, then talk about mm-hmm. it. Because they didn't even touched on the Vietnam War, but not like the really, actual politics you know? of the war are kind of not an issue in this yeah. movie. Yeah, and I mean... Yeah, it, like it's... My two things are, it's like, it, the first thing that would be what we were talking about of, like, balancing, like, interpersonal issues versus, like, societal issues or, like, issues of the infrastructure or the government or the systems in place. And I feel like, like Jackson said, like, both of those things exist at the same time, but, like, saying that all of them are one or the other is flawed. Like, I don't know. If, if, the, if the system was horrible and corrupt, but everybody was nice, that <laughs> wouldn't make any sense, you know? Right. Like... <laughs> They affect each other. Like, corrupt people are going to use a corrupt system, but or good one. people aren't. Yeah, aren't going to use a corrupt system. You know, but yeah, I like how you. I, how it was mentioned that, um, like the the personal conflict higher up had a ripple effect through the system. Mm-hmm. So, like, even though even even if the seed of it was like a a personal gripe, like something like the fact that. It, that a personal gripe like that can have such an effect is indicative mm-hmm. of a of a system that isn't working right, you know? Yeah. yeah. And I mean, I, I'm not so mad about them not making it specifically about anti-war because I feel like as important as it was and as we have had more conversations about the draft and like who's like in modern times, like who should the draft be about? Should we even have a draft? Like we're still having that conversation, but it's just not as relevant as it feels like i don't want to like dismiss it and say it's not a problem anymore you know but like it's not at the forefront especially because we're dealing with other things but at the same time i feel like the especially with the vietnam war being anti-war it's like it is 
also a race issue and it is also a gender issue, you know, because like only men were in the draft and like it just like it hurt men of color more than it hurt white people in colleges. Cause if you were in college and could afford college then you wouldn't get drafted, you know, like it, it like it's a balance of just being of like mixing it all together and being like, eh, it's whatever. But then like also highlighting the like intersectionality of it also. I don't know. I think it's a, it's a delicate thing to do and I don't know that they did it the best that they could, but it, it right. like, I don't think that they're wrong to say that all these other things were involved in anti-war movements also, you know? And yeah. I think this movie Absolutely. is sort of about, I think they just like didn't have any specific like pointed towards anything. It was just like, how do you deal with inju- an, an unjust system? Right. When Mm -hmm. you know that, like, in your heart that this is, like, you're doing the right thing. Which is fine. I just wish that had been a little more pointed. Right. And I think it's also indicative of, like, you know, part of the whole motivation of these characters is that they are being put on trial. And in spite of that whole thing, they can't fucking get to the point. They can't quite get across what they're trying to get across to people because of this whole fucking political charade going on you know it's like mm-hmm. totally obscuring yeah. everything they care about like i feel like if they got up there and they said like hey vietnam war is bad for this and this and this reason and this is exactly what we're protesting and why we're doing it i think it would kind of undercut the message of the movie a little bit which is that they they can't talk about the things they care about because they're wrapped up in this whole fucking bullshit circus that they can't escape from you know right. that it has and to take up 100 percent of their energy the- yeah, yeah. Um, and that, I mean, that's and just that my parallels the montage at the beginning of the movie. Exactly. Yeah, kind oh. of. <laughs> this is. Yeah, I, I don't know. That totally makes sense to me. I'm coming around on that montage the way that we've talked about. Yeah, it. maybe. <laughs> maybe I'm team montage. Now. Team montage. <laughs> team montage. Yes. Uh, montage versus montage. I was montage. team montage before it was cool, but like whatever. <laughs> um. But yeah, and, and like one last thing, I didn't take a lot of notes, but like the one last thing I wanted to say um, before I like run out of notes is just that like I like the way that they talk about soldiers in the Vietnam War that like makes it clear that it thinks of them as like young people who are being taken advantage of, not like mm-hmm. heroes or patriots, mm-hmm. but like victims, <laughs> you know, in a yeah, way yeah, that yeah. I think is... yeah is like a smart way to handle just tonally the way that they talk about soldiers in Vietnam, I think is good. Like when you hear Lance Corporal, whoever, whoever, it sounds like it's going to be a 40 year old man with a mustache and right. like wrinkles. But it, when, when you hear Lance Corporal, man, man, Mitt 20 Romney. years old, like that completely changes the conversation mm. that you're having mm. yeah 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 uh so maybe war is up... bad <laughs> so this movie there, made I me had... think that maybe war might not be as good as i thought maybe i'm yeah i've got a i've got a creepy pasta for you it's the u.s constitution <laughs> Whoa. what if i met aaron it's sorkin? the founding fathers <laughs> what if i met aaron sorkin someday and i was like your movie trial of the chicago seven changed my life it made me realize that war was bad actually and i can never thank you enough for that <laughs> how do you think you would react i mean i, I would mean, be happy he'd be probably like, <laughs> he'd be like how I'd old were like, you when that movie came out <laughs> <laughs> right 
You're 23 years old and you didn't think that war was like maybe not so good. Uh, that being said, there are a lot of people who are pretty pro. So maybe right. I won't be so. Uh, <laughs> so uh, maybe some more people need to watch this film. Okay, I like set then, up yeah. your bullshit bit. I don't see. I don't feel comfortable doing a bullshit bit for this movie. I can't say that I. The judge, his eyes went black, and then he was racist some more. Uh, uh, anyway, welcome to Creepy Boston Book Club. I have decided not to do the racially charged one again because I don't think a good opportunity for that one to see the light of day will ever happen. Anyway, uh, I sent it to the chat. Whoever wants to read it, this one's a little bit long, but it's still it's still short. I, it's I more mean, than one paragraph, basically. I'll take it like I usually do, unless Vi, you would like to read this creepy pasta. <clears throat> uh, yes, yes okay. I would because I have no idea what this bit is. I you just may. followed the link. We just read creepy pastas sometimes. <laughs> That's okay. it. Um. Okay, length short. Submission by Mister Balbus. Post date seventeenth of May two thousand and fifteen. Ooh, Midnight a, dancer. That's my birthday. A recent. It's not true. Ooh. <laughs> Have you ever had had one of those feelings that something was wrong? I don't mean during the day either, but at night. (laughs) I mean that sudden unprovoked feeling of dread that commands you to wake up. Funny. It's almost like nocturnal evil gives something off that your sleeping brain picks up on. I had one of those recently. It forced me up at 3 a.m. Normally when you have that feeling, you'd lay still, feigning sleep. Or if you're feeling adventurous, you'd take a quick check around the house. After but you fail to like discover anything, but I'm not like other girls. <laughs> this author does not know what it's like when I cannot sleep at night because I'll tell you, this is. I would love to just lay there when I wake up at 3 a.m. at night, but it's, whatever. It, Good for you. <laughs> bragging, I guess. Humble it's, brag. It's the fridge or TikTok on minimum volume. That's what it is. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's five <laughs> hours of TikTok. That's what it's, it is. Mm hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. After you failed to discover anything, you'd inevitably crawl back into sleep. I should have done that this time. I should have stayed asleep. That night, I sat straight up. For the longest time, I sat there staring into the dark of my house before I even realized that I was awake. Then came the fear. That slow, strangling feeling that constricts in your chest and worms your way down your throat. I was alone in my home, wide-eyed and afraid with no explanation. I couldn't hear the telltale signs of a break-in downstairs or the phantom sounds of a leaking pipe. I had no reason to be freaked out. Oh, dear. But I was. Well, actually, yes, you did. I guess you didn't hear. Okay, fine, whatever. Wait, Adeline, did you read this one ahead of time? Reasons? I did not. I no, I no, no. Later cards, what so they're saying? Okay, okay. What they're saying is that they were freaked out for no reason because the reasons why you get freaked out in the middle of the night are a) there are signs of a breakdown downstairs, b) mm-hmm. sounds of a leaking pipe. Those are the only reasons that you wake up and you're worried, and but they weren't happening, but you're still worried. Pipe. Nothing scary ever happens at night, Jackson. Come on. <laughs> okay, okay. Mm-hmm. Nothing bad ever happens I was just checking guys. in to make sure this was going to get funny eventually. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. Let's see. Without much thought, I got to walk over to the window. I don't know why I did. I just peeled back enough of the curtain to poke my head through, and I stared into my moonlit backyard. I should have stayed asleep. Outside, prancing around my garden was a clown. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> it had ruffles around its sleeves and collar. Baggy pants and floppy shoes. Its painted white face was even topped off with a big red rubber nose. <laughs> like a clown. It was without a doubt. Like a clown. The would. last thing I wanted to see at three in the morning. 
that high up on my list at three in the morning. Like that <laughs> things I don't want to see at three a.m. A. Evidence of a break-in. B. A leaky <laughs> pipe. C. A clown. <laughs> a clown. Oh my god. It dances. Right, what's gonna happen with this clown? Yeah, doing a step that only a madman or a child could understand. Its playful manner was haunting. I watched with dread fascination as it circled the garden in a two-step, trying my best to ignore the growing lump in my throat. I moved around, pausing occasionally to play with my gardening tools. Oh, it moved around, playing with my guardian tool, gardening tools or sniffing the budding plants. Then it waltzed over to an okay. oak sapling that I planted and disappeared. <gasps> I blinked. The oak sapling disappeared? <laughs> the oak sapling was gone. <laughs> they pulled it out of the ground. <laughs> oh, God. It walked behind the thin infant plant, but didn't come out the other side. I should have seen it the entire time, but I didn't. It was like the clown had walked through a door hidden by the sapling. I should have stayed asleep. What? How big is this sapling? Bits. It's like that green screen <laughs> trick from that Lifehouse video. Right, 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 right. right. <laughs> Sapphire tree. From my favorite. I never watched that the same way again. Wait, oh, wait, was that in the... Wait, 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 wait hold on! I thought that was you, Vi. Was that in the Creepypasta that mentioned no, that Life House video? Oh. <laughs> okay. Oh, my God. Uh, I hoped it was some sort of waking dream. I pretended nothing was... Ha oh, pretending nothing was happening was easier than the truth. The clown came back, though. Night after night, I watched as it danced around my backyard. And at every oh night, God. at the end of every night, it would vanish the same way. Eventually, I just tore up the sampling. No, one night it disappeared behind a garden hoe, only for it to appear seconds later behind the lawnmower. Tonight, I found it digging a hole oh in the middle God. of the yard. I've never seen it do something like this before, and my immediate thought was that the clown is digging my grave. The <laughs> hole got deeper and deeper as the clown dug until the top of the hole reached its head. Once it finished, it stood at the edge of the hole motionless, when out of nowhere, it jerked its head around. My heart pounded so fast I could taste the copper in my mouth. I was about to tear away the curtain... From the curtain. What copper? Bend the, I, oh, the yeah, copper? Why are you tasting copper? Why is there copper in your mouth? <laughs> Wait a second. <laughs> I'm about to tear away the curtain when I see it bend down and pluck a flower. The clown put the stem between its teeth and planted the shovel firm in the ground before stretching out pretend suspenders and admiring its work like a farmer. <laughs> my heart was still racing at this point, but I was just glad that it didn't see me. As if the thing read my mind, it turned on its heel and stared right at me. I never thought I'd actually pray for a heart attack. It spit out the flower <laughs> and ran toward me, its feet flopping to the side. It stopped a few feet from the house, grinning at me with filthy, filthy orange teeth as it pointed to the hole and waved me over excitedly like a <laughs> child showing off a finger painting. Hey, get in Frozen. there. Hey, look, check out this hole, man. Get Frozen in this hole. In the only thing I could do was furiously shake my head no. The clown <laughs> smile fell and it scratched its head as if confused. Ooh. Then it walked over to the hole and pointed at it again. No, I would, have real, it, though. For, I would have told it to fuck off if I could. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It stood there for a moment before animatedly acting out its aha moment. Then it waltzed over and planted the shovel and disappeared behind it. <gasps> I stared wide-eyed, hoping it would appear in the yard like before. I silently prayed for this until the moment I heard my closet creak open. <sighs> I should have stayed asleep. Oh, no. Original author, Mr. Bobus, tags creatures sleeping. They always do that. Oh, These creepypastas, no. they can't ever, they always think the, like, ambiguous ending is so scary. But, like, what this story it's was not. was, like, <laughs> I, I woke up and there was a clown in my yard. The end. 
Like, yeah, and it's up to my interpretation. <laughs> Here's, I think this is a better version of this story. It's basically the same. But when the clown walks through the closet, he's like, hey, my guy, I noticed that you also have insomnia around the same time as I do. <laughs> the way that I handle my insomnia is I garden. And I saw that you had a really nice one. I was wondering if maybe from now on we can just be gardening buddies and <laughs> we can work together because it's really hard and I get lonely and maybe it'll help both of us go back to sleep. The end. <laughs> the yeah. end. I think that's better. I like that's none, better. Of these, none of these creepypastas ever have like a good elevator pitch, you know? It's like, what's the hook of this one? It's just like there's a clown. scary gardening there's clown a, demon. There's a clown no, it's and it's not scary. Even a scary clown. It's yeah. a regular clown doing regular clown things. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No, it's, no, like, no, it's a regular clown gardening. It's not a regular clown thing. The only scary goofily. thing about this is that it's 3 a.m. and maybe you didn't invite that clown, but he's not in your house. He's just outside. <laughs> right. Not till the end, though. Not hard. See, then, then he's coming. Maybe. Maybe, yeah. He just heard your closet. Maybe there's a draft. Who knows? <laughs> my, dead, my dead parents were in the closet now. Oh, no. My dead parents, but no. they, it was a dream, and I... Oh, that's the classic <laughs> ending. But yeah, every every one of these creepypastas we read always ends with, and then it went away, and I thought it was good. Until it fucking came back. What? Came and back. Then, and it was bad. <laughs> yeah. And then it was bad. <laughs> oh no. Okay. Maybe being killed by a demon is bad. <laughs> these are. But I'm not like other today. girls. I'm not scared by like uh-huh, slender men or uh-huh, uh, <laughs> big dogs. I am. I'm. I. I'm not scared I'm of those scared things. Of normal things. Like I ain't ever had signs a weird of a thing downstairs or sounds of a leaking pipe. Those are the I things I put right. my middle finger of. up at them. I'm not scared of no things. Um, so hey, would you guys or wait? First things Plug. first. I'm gonna say. Gotta find that man. Hey, thanks for listening. And next week we are going to be covering our final Best Picture nominee. I don't know, unless someday in the future, after the award ceremony, we decide to do that. Doubt it, though. Um, I don't think we're going to be doing a <laughs> Promising Young Woman episode a year from now. Um, I would love to. I would love to, though. I love uh, Promising Young Woman. I watched it last night. Yeah? Okay, we can talk about it later. Uh, I watched it again last night. The uh, So the next week, we're doing Sound of Metal with Anna McGuire. Very exciting. F- cool, cool stuff. Um, and I hear she's pretty cool. Now I'm gonna swing it to Keisha. Keisha, you do you. Uh, thank you for listening to our podcast. If you would like to join us for more conversation, you can join our Discord. Link is in the description. Uh, there's been lots of talks about other podcasts on there, and also just more Kong versus Big Scaly Lizard Boy memes. Very important, very important conversations. Maybe we'll talk about war now. Who knows? Uh, you can also follow us. Maybe. Click the link down below. World of Warcraft. Whoa. <laughs> hey. Minecraft. World of Minecraft. Do you think orcs deserve rights? Comment down below. Oh, or no. in the comments, let us know if you should talk about Carrie in a 
because now I really want to. <laughs> We've you got can... opinions about Carrie, I guess. Adelaide and I have different opinions on Carrie, and apparently strong. <laughs> so, <laughs> we didn't realize like we felt that... so strongly about Carrie until it was too late. <laughs> we didn't know. It happened. It happened casually, and then it wasn't casual. That's exactly but what you like to Carrie. You can... <laughs> <laughs> you can let us know on Twitter at No Nerds Pod. You can also follow Jackson at Jepper Pack. You can follow Adeline at Hawk Horse. And you can follow me at the Twitter account that I made that I did specifically so I could vote for King Kong in, the, in our <laughs> previous poll. Jesus but God. I'm not going to post anything on it. Uh, and then, Vi, will you tell us about any things that you'd like to plug or whatever? Plug yourself. I'm over at Collabs Without Permission on YouTube, and you should go watch that to hear about indie tabletop games reviewed in a way that cinematically puts you in the world of the game I'm reviewing that month. Um, <laughs> or you can just follow me on Twitter for, you know, tabletop retweets and stuff at I'm a Waffle Bunny. That is my at. I'm a Waffle Bunny. And that's me. You should yeah. be too. Thank you for being on our podcast. We really appreciate your yeah. Thank you for input, inviting me. Feedback. I hope that I hope that you all <laughs> Oh, I'll, I have plenty of feedback after we hang up this call. Please leave us a review <laughs> <laughs> on Yelp. Oh, I hope that you all invite me back for the carry episode. Maybe. There we go. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. yeah I we'll guess we have to do it. Put on the books I, for real. I, mean, I don't know. I guess we have to do a carry episode now. Whatever. I mean, that's <laughs> fine. Yeah, in for the carry episode. I just now. don't know where it's going to fit on our busy schedule. It's in October. We'll do it for Halloween. Oh, that's true. Yeah. We do need a Halloween episode. Long we'll Halloween. We do Halloween we'll do- month, Jackson. Right, right. So we'll do Carrie. We'll do Bewitched again, but with me because I know way more. Both of you. Okay, fine. We'll do Bewitched again and get in a fight because that movie sucks dick, and I can't believe you think anything other than that, Keisha. I don't. I'm not saying it's good. I'm just saying that the things that you were saying about wrong, I don't, and that you weren't interpreting the plot correctly. Um, okay, would you guys like to hear a one star review of Trial of the Chicago Seven? Yes. Not really, but go ahead. And I hope you guys appreciate... I want to hear a two-star review. I hope you guys appreciate me having to wade through the one-star reviews on Letterboxd for this movie. Because let me tell you, it was not fun. But this person gives Trial of Chicago 7 one star and they say, I stopped it after 10 minutes. I can't stand the fact that people call the U.S. America. (laughs) (laughs) That's a real thing. No, that's like a real thing that I've seen a lot. Like on really, on I mean, Twitter yeah, on America's yeah, like the continent. People in South America get pissed. They get <laughs> peeved about it. They're like, "Call it the United States," but it's like they don't. I don't understand because, like, it's pretty clear that like the Western world, like European world, just uses America as shorthand for United States of America, and then the other countries are like. Uh, uh, Ecuador, not like Ecuador in South America. I just well, don't about Ecuador. like. I don't understand the disconnect, but I've seen it a lot recently, and people are mad. They're fired up about it. Huh? It's the U.S. It's, it's too good to criticize the U.S. Maybe, maybe pick a different thing. We got a lot. That <laughs> do, you can pick do you from. Right? Do you want me to find a different one? Was that not fun enough? No, no, no. Okay, I'm just saying, okay. like that's it's a thing. <laughs> I just don't know why. Good, I don't want to go back in there. I've seen it a lot. 
Can someone who gets can someone who gets mad about um, people saying America as shorthand for the United States of America tell me why they're so mad? And were you Chime so mad about comment. it that you had to stop watching this movie because of it? Yeah. yeah. What does it deter Two you things. from watching the trial of the Chicago? <sighs> We need to know. Uh, okay, so anyway, my name's Jackson McMurray. My name's Adelaide McMurray. My name's Keisha Rhodes. And my name's Vi Huntsman. And this has been No Nerds Allowed, and keep it salty out there, fellas. That's sailors. Our new, that's our new sign-off. Sailors. Oh, sailors. Oh. Keep it salty that's out the there, news. sailors. <laughs> I'm going to say that for sure from now on. Yeah, you definitely <laughs> are. I can tell. Yeah, I don't like it. Be like, What's the story behind that? And I'll be like, literally, absolutely none. It's just something I decided I wanted to say one day. And now it's a staple of our podcast forever. No. I am going to quit if that's the truth. (laughs)